Well, I'm back, and uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Welcome online. Welcome Jail Campus, Bowl Services, and uh, welcome Hebron. What's up? We love you guys. And of course, the Mott Wheatfield. Super good to be here with you guys this morning. I know you're like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of illustrations, John. You've got that thing over there and that thing over there. What is going to happen? Well, we're going to do the best we can. And uh, I want to thank all of you this last week before we get into this who came to the owners meeting at 7 o'clock last Sunday night. And, uh, you know, we had so many people who were owners, but also we had a ton of non-owners who just came because you love this church. And uh, I'm proud of you for investing in this church. I think it takes a lot of courage to ask the questions you guys asked. I wish I was a better question answerer, but uh, I'm so thankful for your encourage, or your interest and um, your courage at that meeting. And uh, this is your church. And I think the sign of a healthy church is people who invest in things like that. And uh, pastors come and go, but a church is the people and a church is for a lifetime. And I'm proud of you guys for doing that. So anyway, we did end up voting overwhelmingly for all of our elders and deacons and also overwhelmingly to continue creating a new network of churches as we depart the RCA. That was 164 to three. And uh, while leaving is sad, I'm really believing the best is yet to come. And we just had a meeting with several of the churches that uh, we'll be departing with, um, assuming that the final vote goes through. And uh, it was a really, really great conversation on Saturday morning. So I'm excited about our future, and I hope you are too. We will have one more meeting where we embrace new bylaws and officially decide to leave the denomination. And uh, the date of that meeting is to be announced. We're working with the other churches, and they're not ready yet. So anyway, um, but that'll probably be the end of May or sometime in June. And I love serving this church. If you're new here, welcome. This is a place where no one's perfect and everyone's welcome, no matter what happened last night. Really, truly, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. And uh, I love that the American church is the last truly diverse, tolerant, compassionate place in America where Democrats and Republicans, conservatives, liberals, moderates, rich, poor, young, old can come together, united by who we're for, not what we're against. Cancel culture doesn't prevail here. We're a loving, compassionate community, and I love that. And uh, today, we're in the third week of our series called Escaping the Struggles. We're talking about specific sin struggles in our life. Last two weeks ago, we talked about envy. Last week, we talked about lust. And this week, I want to talk about escaping the sin struggle of entitlement. This is going to be a good message. This is a classic John Hill message. So if you think like I do, you'll love it. If you don't, I mean, you're probably going to hate it. But anyway... Um, so today, a summary of what we're going to do, because I always like to know what's going to happen. I will start with a story. I will lay out a core concept. We'll go to the Bible. I'll give some examples, and there'll be a good, hard challenge at the end. Entitlement at its core is an imbalance of rights and responsibilities. And uh, I brought in this cute little scale right here to kind of help us show the balance between rights and responsibilities. Can you go to that camera? No, you can't? Eh, no, no, we can't go to that camera. That's fine. But uh, anyway, entitlement is an imbalance between rights and responsibilities. And uh, this side of the scale right here represents our rights. And uh, when your scale is balanced like this and, you know, it's leaning over in this direction, you sound like, um, or rights essentially say, this is how others should serve me. Okay, and uh, so when you live saying, this is how others should serve me, you sound like, you know, my husband needs to apologize first. I know my rights. He was wrong. I was right, right? Or, um, you know what? I don't need to tip my waitress. She was wrong. Um, she was a bad server, and I'm not gonna tip her. Or, uh, you know, I know my rights at this job. This is not a part of my job description. I'm not gonna do that. That's not what I get paid to do. That's what focusing on your rights sound like. This side of the scale represents responsibilities. And when you take responsibility seriously, you're asking yourself how I think I should serve other people, 
right? It's the opposite. You say, I will serve my spouse by apologizing first. I will take responsibility and serve this waitress by tipping her irregardless because that's what responsible people do. I'll take responsibility at my job even if it doesn't fit my job description because I'm here to serve and I'll do whatever it takes. That's what focusing on responsibility sounds like. So rights are how others should serve you. When you stand up for your rights, you're demanding they serve you. Responsibilities are how you think you should serve others. I brought in some marbles, also known as ball bearings. I brought in these marbles right here. And uh, these marbles uh, represent our energy and focus. And uh, with our life, we can put our energy and focus into standing up for our rights, and the scale will be tipped over there. Or we can put our energy and focus into standing up for our responsibilities, and the scale will be tipped to the other side, right? Or we can focus on both, and the scales will be balanced in the middle, right? And the results of each of these three scenarios are very, very different. And I want to spend a little bit talking about that. But before I do, my kids gave us a really good sermon illustration that I'm going to use to kick off this whole thing. Thank God for kids, right? What would pastors preach on if they didn't have them? But um, no, our kids ministry has a thing that my kids love, and it's the prize cart. And uh, each time you go to kids ministry, you can earn up to three prize tickets um, to get cool prizes. And uh, this scooter right here was 300 tickets. So a normal kid would have to go for over 100 Sundays in order to get that scooter, 100 Sundays to earn that scooter if they earned all three tickets every single Sunday, right? My kids are smart. What they did was they pooled all their tickets. They said, let's just share all of our tickets so that we can win that scooter. So that's what they did. They saved and saved and saved till they could get that scooter and they got it. And to the surprise of actually absolutely nobody, four kids, one scooter, they all felt like they owned it. It resulted in the apocalypse at my house last Saturday. So that was pretty cool. And um, <laughs> they were fighting over it, specifically my two oldest daughters. Now, Isabel, my oldest, is a wonderful girl. I love her so much, but she is a very high controller Enneagram type one, right? She knows what she wants. She knows what justice is. And um, she she comes to us, Kristen and I are on the front steps, and she says, Dad, Hermione keeps cheating. And I'm like, how is she cheating? You know, and she's like, we're riding, taking turns. And I paced out a course that was 65 of my feet long. And I was like, 65 of your feet, you would do that, right? And she actually did, 65 of her feet. And Hermione rode like five of my feet too far. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. Your feet are like six inches. So we're talking about literally two and a half feet. Like, is that, that's a very, she's like, no, it's worse than that, dad. Because when she rode five of my feet too far, she had to ride back five of my feet. And I was like, that is, that is geometry. That is correct. You know, that's absolutely, so she's like, you know, it was terrible. And uh, then she went on to say, I gave more of my tickets than anyone for that scooter. And now she gets to use it more than me. I deserve to go 10 of my feet farther than any of my siblings, not her, right? Now, what was my daughter doing? She was putting her energy and focus into her rights. She was standing up for her rights. Was she technically correct in standing up for her rights? Absolutely. It was her right. It was unfair. She did pay more for the scooter. Absolutely. Now, keep in mind, normally I would dispense some discipline to my children at this moment, but I thought, wait a minute, there's a sermon illustration in here. You have to speak about entitlement next week. Let this play out and turn your kids into typical pastor kids, right? So that's what I did. And uh, I looked at my other daughter, my second oldest, Hermione. I said, Hermione, will you let your sister ride back and forth five times? all 65 feet, will you let her go back and forth five times in a row, right? Your sister, you went five feet too far, let her have five times as much. And Mighty said, sure, no problem, no problem. What did Hermione do right there? Okay, it was her right, but instead, she just took responsibility. She put her focus and energy into taking responsibility. She tipped the scales. She decided to serve her sister. 
She took responsibility rather than demanding that her sister apologize first rather than telling me it's not fair because reasons and things and I only went this too far or whatever. I just said, hey, just make it up your sister. Let her go. So Izzy gets on the scooter, right? She gets on the scooter and she's going and, you know, she's on the scooter crying the whole time, just weeping and crying and lip out. You know, I'm watching. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're going five times, whatever. Now, um, was Izzy happy? No, she was profoundly unhappy. Was Miney happy? Yes, very happy. Had a great time. Now, Izzy then proceeded to allow her sister to take one more trip on the scooter. Now, keep in mind, my rule following Isabel is running alongside her sister. Keep in mind, she just went back and forth five times, but she's running beside her sister to watch her go around the end of the course and make sure she, that she turns around at just, you know, the right spot, wide and tight around that end so that she doesn't go too far. Now, this is called a wiggle scooter, and you have to, like, wiggle your booty back and forth to make the thing go forward, and um, it is hard to turn. Like, it's actually kind of complicated. So, Hermione, I don't think she did it on purpose. She goes too far again. And at this point, Izzy is just like, Dad, she did it again. She always, always does it. You know, and uh, she was just, she was going nuts on the ground. And that's just what happened. She lost it because she was standing up for her rights. She was putting all of her emotional energy into standing up for her rights. Her skills were tipped over that way. And I know my rights and it's not right. And I deserve to be treated better than this. And my sister shouldn't do this to me. And what was happening? Her scales were totally skewed towards her rights. I know my rights. She was miserable in the process. And here's the thing. Our garage is full of toys. Don't think that the Hill family doesn't. I mean, we've got bikes. We've got other kinds of scooters. We've got so many toys in there. Plus, she has me as her dad. And I mean, look at me. You know, she is the luckiest girl on earth. Are you kidding me? And she's sitting here focused on the one thing that isn't fair in her life. And technically it wasn't, you know? And this is what putting all of your energy into focusing on your rights does. Whether it's an argument with your sister or an argument in a lawsuit at the highest level, when you stand up for your rights in an imbalanced way like this, all your energy, all your focus on this one thing, you will be miserable. That's what it does. You will be, the world will be miserable. There is no win in living a life like this. There's no win. Nobody's happy. Everybody's miserable. Miney, she took responsibility. She lived the other way. And um, she was genuinely happy to let Izzy have the scooter. She was having a great day. She had less than her sister. But joy doesn't come from having more stuff. And I think the older I get, the more I understand that. I used to think, no, it's when I get more, when I get the most, but that's not what joy comes from. God made us to love and serve others. That's where satisfaction, empowerment, and joy come from. Even though Hermione had less, by taking responsibility, she felt like she had more. Now, I want to talk a little bit longer about each of these mindsets. I want to lay them out a little bit more clearly. Okay, when you, let's start with um, standing up for your rights. When you put all of your energy into standing up for your rights, you're essentially demanding that other people give to you what they perceive as yours. And people who live like this actually get a lot. I don't know if you have anybody in your life that like demands, like I know my rights and I'm not gonna be treated. They demand everything. And this is the type of person, like when somebody lives this way where they stand up for their rights all the time, you will go to a restaurant and, and they will like bully the server in the most embarrassing way. And you'll be like, ah, ah, I don't know her. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness. And she'll be like, blah, 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 and you're like, ah, you know, products on Amazon, like one star review. It failed to meet my expectation. I know my rights. I'll return it, whatever, you know, do not buy, do not recommend for their families. Like nobody can ever please them, right? It's their right after all. 
And this type of person, when we live this way, when we let our life, we become emotional locusts. We just, we go to the field and we eat all the food, baby. There's nothing left. It's gone. We just consume, consume. You need to serve me. You need to take care of me, okay? Uh, I don't need help. You need help. What's wrong with you? And how could you? And I know, and it's fair, and it is, right? Do they get the most? Yes. Isabel got five trips back and forth on the scooter, but did she feel like she had more? No, she felt like she had less. That's the irony. No amount is enough. There is no win. This type of demanding person feels like a victim. And that's the irony. This was Isabel last week. The problem is when you stand up for your rights, there is never satisfaction in it. People who stand up for their rights in an imbalanced way like this, they have more than most, and they are the most unhappy people. There is no win in this. Because when you get what you wanted, you think it's what you deserved anyway. This position right here, this position right here is a position of entitlement. This is what entitlement looks like. When your life is imbalanced, when your life is like this, you will feel entitled. And the crazy part is a position of entitlement, I deserve it, is the position of a victim. Right, this is where a victim mentality comes from. Because here's the thing, if you have almost everything in the world, but you don't have everything, if you don't get 100% of what you want 100% of the time, you will feel taken advantage of, because I deserve it. That was Isabel. She had everything, everything except for that one thing. She got to go five times in a row, but she didn't get that, and and Hermione went that last, and she couldn't handle it. It's a position of entitlement. She felt taken advantage of. Then there's the balance between rights and responsibility, right? And uh, this position is what everybody thinks you need to go, th- go for. We call this equality. I just want equality. That's what I want. I just want, most people say, this in life, this is what I really want. Number one, equality, having equal of everything is a really difficult thing to live out in life. Like that's really hard to do. But number two, I want you to understand what you're saying is, I don't want to produce or serve others any more than I am served. And I think that's kind of a low bar. Like when you die, your legacy will be, wow, this guy was a net zero for the world. Fantastic. You know, emotionally, like, he was not nice, he was not mean, he was just a, congratulations. Like, is that the life we want to live? And this is what so many, I just want equality, I just want justice, I just want this. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way to live. Jesus says, no, no, there's a different position that we're to strive for, where we just give up our rights and we take responsibility. That's the position of a Christian. And Jesus lays it out in one of the most significant passages in the Bible. The Last Supper, he's talking with, right before the Last Supper, he's talking with his disciples. They're heading to Jerusalem. And uh, John and James are arguing about how they have the right to be the best among his disciples. John is Jesus' favorite. He says, hey, look, I, I have the right to be the best. I am your best friend. I want the best spot in your kingdom. And it says, when the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. no. It's our right. We're the ones who deserve it. And they're arguing over the scooter. You know, they're arguing with each other. They're arguing about positions in Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He calls them together and he says, you know, you know that the the rulers of this world, they lord it over people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. He says, everybody in this world argues over their rights. And in the Greco-Roman world, that was true. Okay, it was, a, it was a miserable world to live in. Everybody wanted to overpower everybody else. Everybody said, I know my rights. I deserve, I want others to serve me. It was a miserable place where humans didn't have dignity or value. That was the world. And Jesus says, I wanna set up a new kingdom where we don't strive for our rights. He says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must be your slave. He says, you see a lot of injustice in the world. You see a lot of racism, you see a lot of hurt, you see a lot of pain. He says, I don't want you to stand up for those things in this life. I want you to stand up for something radically different. If you want to fix, if you want to fix the injustice in the world, it doesn't begin with standing up for your rights. It begins with taking responsibility. He says, among you, it'll be different. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples were arguing about their rights and Jesus tells them this unbelievable lesson. He says, don't stand up for your rights. That is a road to misery. And said, take responsibility and lay down your life. The term Christian literally means little Christ. And when we become Christians, it means we become like Jesus. We don't come to be served, we serve and we give up our life. We take responsibility. Over and over again, Jesus teaches that this is the way the Christians are to live. And keep in mind, he was the righteous one. He had more rights than anybody else. I mean, he had the right to stand up for his rights, but he gave them up and he calls all followers of Christ to do the same. This sentiment is repeated over and over again throughout scripture. An example would be here. Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. And before I was a Christian, even early as a Christian, I didn't really like this. But I actually think that Jesus is right. This is the recipe for a satisfying life, taking responsibility. Have you ever met someone who lives like this? Somebody who is just full of life and their goal isn't to get others to serve them. Their goal is to give back to the world. Somebody with vision and purpose, their goal isn't to to, to earn a living. Their goal is to create life. This type of person, they're so inspiring. They build a company and it's not about getting rich. It's about adding value to everyone's life and creating and making a better world. People who live like this, I mean, they don't see problems, they see solutions. They build long-term friendships and relationships. They create win-win situations. They don't just buy out companies and hollow out the value to get rich. They pioneer, they grow, and they add value to the world. That's who they are. I love working for people like this. I want to live a life like this. And my favorite part about a life like this is you don't feel like a victim. Whether you have a little or a lot, whether things are going good or bad, you still feel free. Because here's the thing, we live in a world where everybody feels entitlement and they feel like a victim. But when you focus on responsibility, instead of feeling entitled and like a victim, you will feel empowered and free. When you take responsibility, you have control, right? When you stand up for your rights, you're saying other people need to serve me. And unfortunately, you can't, you can't make other people take action. So you're gonna feel like a victim when they don't take action, right? But when you, when you take responsibility, you have all the control. Listen, as a leader, I love this. My favorite phrase as a leader, if you've ever worked for me, you're gonna hear me say this. You're gonna hear me say, it's all my fault. I love that, right? When I get mad, when I get upset, when something doesn't go quite right and I'm upset, I can't believe this happened. Like the thing that I think is, hey, I'm in charge. It's all my fault. What could I have done differently to change? Hey, I'm sorry I didn't equip you with the equipment or the training or the vision or the hallways necessary for you to see how to succeed here. It's all my fault and I wanna serve you. As soon as I say that, instead of being upset, instead of being mad at somebody, the world, all of a sudden in that moment, I see my role and I find freedom. Jesus gives us this incredibly different way to live a life that results in empowerment instead of entitlement and a victim mentality. And he is who we follow as Christians. I wanna give you some examples of this in our life that are gonna be helpful. Examples abound all over the place. And it's not just kids, all of us as adults, we do exactly what my kids did over the scooter. You know, I see this all the time with in-law relationships. Imagine, you know, your son goes to his wife's house for Christmas, you know, and he's supposed to come to your house, but he shows up like five minutes late. It's easy to stand up for your rights. Say, I know my rights, you know, you're late. And what am I, some doormat? I can't believe you do that, whatever. You can stand up for your rights and you can yell and you can shout and you know what? You'll make them miserable and you'll be miserable and you'll have 15 more miserable minutes next year. Or you can put all your energy into taking responsibility and you can say, you know what? I'm thankful for the time that I did get with my son and daughter-in-law. And you know what? She took that time from me, but in my mind, I'm just gonna choose to give it to her right now. So instead of feeling robbed, I feel like I'm generous. And that's such a big difference, right? And who wins in that situation? Yeah, they win. Your kids win, of course, but you know who else wins? You win. You win more than anyone else because you have freedom and you have empowerment 
and settled entitlement and feeling like a victim. Adult children, I think this is a really big deal. So often, you know, you look at your mom and you're like, you're supposed to take care of my kids and da 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 and I'm busy and I'm working and you promised me that you'd help me and da 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 and you know, I need to do this and I know you have a doctor's appointment, but what do you want me to do? Take vacation days? I don't have any more left and you want me to be able to spend some time with my kids. All I do is work. Why can't you watch them today and schedule a doctor's appointment later? And da 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 I see this all the time. I know my rights. You didn't even communicate this with me. You could have talked and da 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 and you can instead take responsibility and say, I'm so thankful for the time that you did give me. Instead of focusing on what I need and what I want, I just, I wanna say, hey, um, my responsibility is that I never created a calendar for us to share. I'm sorry that I haven't done that and I wanna serve you in this way and I wanna help you and your health matters to me and I'm grateful for the amount that you do watch my kids for, right? Who wins when you do that? She wins, of course, but you win, you win. You win freedom and empowerment and everybody is better. Or this one's a big one, especially for young men. You know, you show up to your new union job, your dad got you, whatever, and you show up there first day. You can put all your energy into standing up for your rights. You guys are lucky to have me. There's not a lot of Gen Zers that'll take trade jobs, you know? You guys are lucky. You better appreciate me that I'm here because uh, look at this, you know, I showed up and you, you gonna compliment me because I showed up on time this morning. I had to set my own alarm. My mom didn't even wake me up, okay? I showed up myself and you better, and I know my rights. You better like me. And you know, I showed up and from the beginning, you guys have been making me feel this big. There's no win in that. Everybody's unhappy. They're not gonna respect you. You're not gonna respect them. You're gonna feel bad. Or you can put your energy into taking responsibility. Right, I'm new. I'm learning. Sure, you guys are correcting me kind of crudely and harshly, but I'm thankful for the improvement opportunities. And every single time, I'm just gonna say, yes, sir, thank you, sir. And that's it. And you know what you're gonna do is everybody's gonna win. They're gonna respect you. You will learn to respect yourself in a way that you never have before. That's what taking responsibility can do in your life. It's so freeing. There's so much empowerment in it. And so many areas... There's such a dichotomy between rights and responsibility. I think the biggest areas that standing up for your rights robs you of joy where you should have joy is birthdays, anniversaries, and inheritances. It blows my mind that these things, I mean, these things are gifts. Like people are coming to celebrate you. And if you stand up for your rights, it's like, I wanted to go to this place, but you took me to that place. And I've been hinting at this gift for months and you didn't even hear all these hints. I mean, I basically said it. I mean, I didn't say it, but I basically said it. And, and I can't believe that. And I, for all these years I worked and you gave more to him than you gave. And I can't believe that you gave your money that's yours to give more to him than to me. I wanted more of it, but you didn't give me more. And, and you can stand up for your rights and ruin these good things in your life. You can just take responsibility. Express gratitude, say, man, I'm so grateful you celebrated my birthday the way you did, right? And there's no win, no win when all we do is stand up for our rights. I think I decided to preach this sermon a couple months ago um, when I saw an interview between Oprah and Prince Harry and Princess Meghan. I saw this interview, I said, this is, this is a big problem in our society. And uh, before I go into that interview, um, I have a family, uh, there's six of us, and uh, four kids, and uh, here's the thing. We never knew what color our kids were gonna be before they came out, you know what I mean? We had no clue. I married a white girl, and you know, these two are a little darker, these two are a little lighter. Segregation, not intentional, it's just the way we took the picture. But um, <clears throat> we never knew what color they were gonna be, right? Every time Kristen was pregnant, dozens of people, strangers, family members would ask, what color do you think your kids are gonna be? And it was a roll of the Punnett Square dice. I mean, we don't know, we all remember Punnett Squares, I don't know, right? But uh, they'd ask all the time, what color do you think your kids are gonna be? Strangers, what color do you think? Now, is that question appropriate in 2021? No, technically it's racist, but, and I know my rights, I know my rights. I could be like, hey, that's wrong, I can't believe you'd say that, and, da, 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 and Twitter, and, and this thing, and I can, blah, blah, blah. But, but, but you know what? I don't care, it's a natural question. Right? And I'll take responsibility and say, hey, I'm curious too. And I could stand up for my rights and I could gain power and control and I could feel like a victim and I could sit there and I could teach them, whatever. Um, my whole life, my parents taught me to take responsibility in this area. 
I had a lot of coaches make comments about me, about the way I looked, about the way I appeared. Like it was, it was pretty frequent, and in some cases, it was bad. I had friends call me chicken teriyaki throughout my childhood. They asked me all the time if I glowed in the dark when they nuked us, right? Which was crazy, because I'm an American citizen, but they did you glow in the dark because we nuked Japan and da-da-da, we nuked you? And um, my parents always said, you just take responsibility, John. You can stand up for your rights, but you're not gonna win. And it doesn't matter what you do, you're not gonna win. My grandmother, okay, my dad's mom, never accepted my mom, never. She was the enemy. It was because of our skin color, right? She didn't really like us either. As her grandkids, you know, she didn't really. And um, I know that she loved us the best way we could, but I, I really am so thankful for my mom. Because rather than standing up for her rights and being like, my mother-in-law is the worst and she's a rape, you know what my mom did was just serve my grandmother. She served her, she loved her, she cared for her. At the end of her life when she was dying, my mom was the one who bathed her and cared for her and loved her and visited her. And at the end of her life, my grandmother repented of her ways. And I just think it's so cool. I mean, it took till the day, and it may have never happened, even if it didn't. Who won because of that? My mom. My mom. She could have been bitter. She could have been upset. She said, I hate your family and they're so mean and my kids and they won't and I won't subject them to. And she said, no, no, I'm gonna raise resilient, strong kids who take responsibility and who serve others. And I'm so glad that she taught us that lesson and showed us that lesson. So anyway, years later, I see this interview on Oprah between Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex and Oprah Winfrey. And she tells this story. And I mean, I'm waiting. I'm thinking it's gonna be whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like she's telling my story. Only she's literally sitting in Buckingham Palace with a literal silver spoon hanging out of her mouth and an actual diamond encrusted tiara because she is a literal princess. But she's telling this story that I relate to. I mean, I have experienced that story many times over. And she's talking about how she feels like a victim. And she wanted to stand up for her rights, right? She wanted, I know my rights. And listen, 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 listen. She stood up for her rights. And did she have the right to do that? Absolutely, she did. And she took emotional joy and satisfaction from the whole world, right? I mean, every little girl who wanted to be a princess is like, well, I guess that isn't that great, and da 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 And look, 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 look. Did she, get, did she get more in her life because of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She got, like, Netflix deals, opportunities, enrichment, accolades, everything. She did. She did. Did she feel good? No. No. I mean, she was miserable. She was depressed. Because that's what happens. When you stand up for your rights like this, when your life is in balance, when you're sitting there and everything is keeping score and everything is like, they owe me and they should serve me and I know my rights. And you don't win. You lose. You lose. Not other people. You. It hurts you. It hurts you. Because standing up for your rights in an imbalanced way is a no-win situation. You'll get what you want, but you'll feel empty when you get it. There's no joy in it. And your Royal Highness, if you're watching this, I just want to beg you and implore you because I've been down the same road that you have. Maybe consider taking responsibility. There's more joy in it for you. And this is American society today. She is just a reflection of everyone else in her society, yelling, screaming, standing up for our rights. There's no way, and my mom doesn't understand, and everyone else in my class has a phone, and da-da-da, and these boundaries are, and this is just ridiculous, and if he's gonna be jealous like that, and I can, and it's not, and they don't understand, and it's sexist, and it's wrong, and it's whatever, and men don't have rights anymore in our society, and we can't say anything, and the Supreme Court, blah, 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 and all these, and we all feel like victims. And we say we want equality, but we don't want equality. What we mean is, I have the right to anything anyone else has if I feel like I should have it. And that is a no-win situation. What is the end result? We live in the most prosperous time in human history, in the most prosperous country in human history, during the largest age of peace and prosperity in human history, and the result is misery. We feel miserable. We feel like victims. Because that's what standing up for your rights in an imbalanced way will do. And here's my big point today. One big point. Jesus was right. 
I mean, I read what he said, you know, turn the, and I just thought it was laughable. I thought it was ridiculous, but the older I get, the longer I've lived life, the more I realize Jesus was right. His disciples are arguing about their rights. And they're on the road up to Jerusalem and they're talking about who's gonna be the greatest in the new kingdom. And Jesus says, Jesus says, he calls them together and he says, hey, the leaders of this world, they, they stand up for their rights all the time. It's a miserable place. Slavery, pedophilia, anger, unrest. Everybody in the Roman empire feels like a victim. He says, um, but we're gonna build a new kingdom and among us, it's gonna be different. He wants to be first. They're gonna take responsibility. They're gonna be last. He wants to lead. They're going to start by serving. That's just what we do. He says, for even me, the righteous one, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. That's Christianity. That's where it begins. It's taking the scale and saying, instead of putting my emotional effort and focus into standing up for my rights, I'm going to take responsibility. And you know what? Jesus broke the cycle. He broke the cycle of injustice. He broke the cycle of victimization. He broke the cycle of slavery. He broke the cycle of prejudice. He broke the cycle of all those things. When he took responsibility, instead of looking at others and saying, you have to serve me and it's your fault and you did these things and feeling like a victim, he said, I'll take it. I got it. I'll pay the price for your sins so that we could have a relationship with God in heaven. And in so doing, he set the world free from misery and entitlement. And as the world followed Jesus, it ushered in a new era of peace and prosperity where humans started looking at each other saying every human being, regardless of religion, color, creed, race, anything, um, every person is created in the image of God. It ushered in this new era of compassion and love for one another where all these barriers were broken down and where people were judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And as the world corporately turns away from the teachings of Jesus, we have everything, but we feel we have nothing. No longer do we look at people who disagree with us and say, you have value. We say, you're canceled. We judge people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. We create all these different, it is the reverse of the kingdom that Jesus set up. And today I want to look at a room full of people who want to be little Christ, who want to be like Jesus. And I want to say, let's lay down our rights and let's take responsibility. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I wrote down some solutions today. And uh, I think these are practical. They're simple. Because everybody's like, okay, well, I want to take responsibility. But how do you do it when you're angry at your mom? And she's doing things and you're like, mom, how could you? Why would you? How dare you? I know my, how do you do it? Like, I want to, but like, how do I change my heart? Because it begins there, right? And um, this is what I wrote down. Two things. Number one, Change I know my rights into I'm thankful for. Because it's hard to just, oh, I'll take responsibility. You know, that's not what I want. Uh, when I'm counseling people, I'll have, I'll have a lot of times, this is what I hear, is I'll have a lady look at her husband and say, well, you're just ungrateful. And the husband will say, no, I'm not ungrateful. I feel super grateful. I'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Gratitude is not a feeling. Gratitude is an action. It begins with an action. That's where gratitude begins, right? And if you didn't express it, then you are, in fact, ungrateful. She is correct. And the reason why gratitude needs to be expressed is I think by saying it, 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 it changes our heart in a, in a more drastic way. This is why we sing songs before church, right? This is why we do the Christian karaoke thing before church because giving thanks to God changes our perspective. It produces a deeper level of gratitude in our hearts. You know, all the time because of the entitlement of our world, even among Christians, I see people say, God, I mean, I know my rights. Why would you let me face this suffering? 
Why would you allow this tragedy to befell my family? Why would you allow this thing to happen? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? I know my rights. Why would you let evil happen? Doesn't make sense. I could never follow a God. And what, what is that? What is that? What is that? That's us standing up for our rights. That's not the way to a great relationship on any level, but especially with God. And I think so many of us, that's what we do, right? But when you start thanking God, when you feel angry at God, when, you're fr- when you start thanking God, thank you for life, thanking you for letting me be born in this era and not in an era where I'd be in a dirt-floored hovel subsisting and hoping to live for 35 years. God, thank you for, when you start thanking him for those things, all of a sudden it's like, God, thank you, I trust you. I'm so great, it changes things, all right? When my wife does something, that makes me feel like my rights are being trampled on, which surprisingly enough, in spite of marrying like, like somebody who is as close to an angel as you can possibly get, I feel like this woman is trying to ruin my life quite a bit. Like that's a thought that goes through my mind, you know? And um, you know what I do is I just start thinking her. Like before we get into an argument, I know, you know, we're about to get into an argument. I'm really mad, you know, and is it worth it? I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I do, hey, Kristen, before we get into this, I want you to know, I am so grateful that you've given me four kids. I'm so grateful that you've partnered with me in achieving my hopes and dreams. I'm thankful that you work more than full-time at Hebron for free. I'm thankful for all the ways that you support me. And you know what that does is it changes my heart. And I don't know what it does for her heart. A lot of times her arms are crossed and she's like, you know, but for me, it changes my heart, my disposition towards her. And it changes me from this position to this position right here. I'm gonna just take responsibility. When I'm mad at this country, which I find a lot, you know, and I can't, this country and what is happening and I can't believe this and, and with this denomination and with the church, it's like, it feels like I'm being taken. It feels like we're being taken advantage of and how could this, this is unjust and this is wrong and I know my rights and I feel like David versus Goliath and how could you, why would you? And, and you know what I do when I feel that way is uh, I just start thanking God for this country. God, I'm so thankful for the legacy that I get to be a part of. Defeating fascism and genocides in World War II, defeating and holding back the Iron Curtain on communism so that we can be free. We have the freedom of religion. We still have it. God, I'm thankful that my grandparents fought a war against each other, and I stand here as a citizen of the very country, the very country that was fighting against each other. God, I thank you that we were able to defeat the evil theocracy in the Middle East that was enslaving and punishing and doing horrible, unspeakable things to women and children because of our wars on Iraq and Afghanistan. God, I thank you for this great legacy that I get to be part of. And when I do that, you know, it changes, it changes my disposition radically. All of a sudden, instead of in the news, and I can't believe it, just changes things. I wanna challenge you, instead of saying, I know my rights, to start saying I'm thankful for. The next thing I wrote down, second thing is, um, change I deserve and I will serve. When I'm angry, when I'm, when I'm standing up for my rights, I, the first thing I think is, how can I serve this relationship in this situation? How can I take responsibility, you know? I look at somebody who's an addict in my life and I'm so mad and da 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 da, da and I can't believe and whatever, and they're there and I just want them to, you know, whatever, and I just want to give them, and I say, you know what? I'm gonna serve them by not enabling them in this situation. That's what love requires. How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my mother-in-law? How can I serve my church? How can I serve my brother and sister in this situation? That question right there is the beginning to freedom and empowerment. Every single time in my life, I feel like a victim. I'm angry. These people are, how could they? Why would they say, you know what? It's all my fault. How can I serve? How can I serve? And I don't need them to answer the question. I'm smart enough. I can come up with a solution, right? For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And after what he did for us, I know we can do the same for others. A few questions I wanna challenge you to ask yourselves on the way home. You know, maybe journal about if you came with a group, if you have your family here, have this discussion. Fathers, husbands, I wanna challenge you to lead your family in a discussion. Mothers, lead your kids in a discussion with this. But um, some questions you can ask. Number one, what does your skills look like? 
okay? Um, what do your scales look like at work? What do your scales look like? In raising your kids, what do the scales look like? With your significant relationships, with your friendships, what do the scales look like? If you're sitting there demanding and I can't believe and you're not good friends and you didn't give me and whatever, you know, what do your scales look like? Just get honest in all these different contexts in our life. How could you reallocate some emotions in your life? Then secondly, where is Jesus calling you to lay down your rights and to take responsibility in a specific way this week? You just start with one way. What is one thing I can do in your relationship with your mom? Mom, you know what? And in your mind, you want her to apologize. In your mind, you want, but you just say, mom, I'm sorry for the things that I've done to you. Will you, will you forgive me? I really believe there's a lot of freedom that God wants to give our church this week as we lay down our rights, as we take responsibility, as we take one of the primary Christian actions, which is to lay down our lives for others. I believe that God wants to give you empowerment and freedom through it. On your way out, um, each of you is gonna get a little metal, metal marble. It's a ball bearing, but uh, I just want you to put it in your pocket. And this week, as you're powering up, I know my rights and I know, blah, blah, blah. I want you to put your hand in that pocket, grab hold of that metal marble. And I just want you to imagine reallocating that passion, that energy, that focus into taking responsibility. Just as a little reminder of what Jesus did and what we do as his followers this week. As we close, I'd ask you to stand up to your feet. And I'd just like to have a prayer for our church. God in heaven, I thank you for your mercy, your grace, your compassion, your wisdom. In a society full of entitlement that is broken and unhappy, God, I ask that you would make our church a beacon of hope, of empowerment, of love, of responsibility. God, help us to lay down our lives and to serve because even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. As your followers, we corporately repent of not doing that. We choose to follow your example by living that out in our life. Would you heal this nation? Would you heal relationships? Would you heal um, friendships, Lord, because of this message, because of your word? It's in the name of Jesus we ask and pray these things. All God's people said amen and amen. The band is gonna lead us in a song together. Let's sing.